you, Pastor Silver. I invite you to open your Bible tonight to the book of First Thessalonians in the New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter number four. Chapter number four. While you're turning there, I have a little letter that was sent in from one of our newest missionary, Brother Rojas. And he says, Pastor White and Grace Baptist Church family, praise the Lord. We're rejoicing with you in your partnership with us and God's ministry to the U.S. military. It is well, I'm sorry, it is with great joy to see God's provision to his called saints in the Great Commission. As the Lord uses us and blesses us with divine appointments and happenings, we will share with you and send using our letterhead. Thank you again for partnering with us in our ministry for the souls of our men and women in uniform for Christ. God bless Grace Baptist Church in Surrey, BC. Signed, Brother Fred Rojas. So that's nice, isn't it? They got a letter from uh, our newest missionary. Also want to remind you, we have two missionaries that we are voting on and do your best, all you voting members and you watching. If you're a voting member, make sure that you get your vote in. That's important. That's part of one of your responsibilities of being a senior member is voting. So please do it. Now you're in first Thessalonians chapter four, and we'll be reading a couple of those verses together. We've just finished coming through a tremendous study on the book of Revelation. And I'd say we spent in the neighborhood of 10 months studying through Revelation. What an amazing book. Praise the Lord for it. It's really the capstone of not just the New Testament, but the entire 66 collections, uh, book collections of, of the entire Bible. And so with that as our background, I want to speak tonight on the coming rapture. I just thought it was appropriate that we would deal now with this very first Wednesday after the uh, study on Revelation that we deal with the subject of the rapture. Now, let's see here. Um, with your Bible open at chapter four, could I invite you to stand with me, please? And we'll read from verse 13 to verse 18. First Thessalonians four, verses 13 to 18. It's not a long passage, but let's read it together and then we'll have a word of prayer. Let's begin. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words, our heavenly father, we thank you for this glorious passage of scripture in first Thessalonians four. Please use it to comfort our hearts. Use it to enlighten our eyes. Use it to uh, evoke more love and faith and obedience and prayer and devotion and sacrificial giving and sacrificial serving to our Lord and Savior Jesus who gave himself for us. 
Bless, we pray, all that are here tonight in the auditorium and all that are watching on the internet. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as I mentioned, we want to deal with this subject of the rapture. I've divided it up into a series of questions. And we will look at the questions and try to answer them. Now, um, earlier this year, when COVID first hit and all the churches were closed down, we started a series of podcasts. And I, over, I think it was five, maybe six um, of those podcasts, I was giving the contents of this. But that was a while ago now. And so what I want to do is put it all together in one message and deliver it to you tonight, because I think you'll find it encouraging. I think you'll agree that this is a crazy world and it's getting even crazier right now. They're still figuring out uh, who's going to win the U S election. The eyes of the world are still, you know, on, on America watching as both Trump and Biden are, in the uh, playoffs here and they're getting very close to the end and some are predicting one will win and some are predicting the other will win and some are predicting neither, you know, which one wins we're all going to lose. You know, there there's all kinds of things that are being said and going on, but around the world, let's not forget that there's uh, billions of people without Christ and they, many of them are suffering at the hands of one another And I think the devil's got a hand in that too. And I think the answer is Jesus. It's always been folks, no matter what happens, no matter who wins or loses the election, the answer is still the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is a coming savior. And that's what we read about here in chapter four. And so we'll begin tonight by saying, by asking what is the rapture? Now the word rapture simply means a catching away to catch away a rapture. If you think of the word capture, you get a good idea of what the word rapture means because it literally means to seize, to grab and to run off with. That's the meaning of the word rapture. Now it refers to the Lord Jesus calling to himself, all Christians all over the world, meeting them in the air and taking them to heaven. Now, right away, we have to say this, that there are some churches, some Christians, some Bible colleges who do not believe in the doctrine of the rapture. And some of them do not believe in the seven year tribulation on earth. Some of them do not believe in the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on earth either. Many of these Christians and churches and Bible colleges would claim that the term rapture was an invention of a certain heretical people back around the year 1830, one of which they say was theologian John Darby. You may see that name pop up once in a while. He was back there and he was actually a big, uh, a big proponent for the rapture. And so they say that he was one of the heretics that came up with this crazy doctrine. They say, and listen to this. They also say that before 1800, before the year 1800, nobody, nobody, nobody believed in the rapture. They say that not one Christian ever believed in the rapture prior to the year 1800. Now, recently there was an article published on the internet entitled origin of the secret rapture theory. 
Now that's quite a title, isn't it? Now, no author's name has been directly attached to the article. I read the article. I looked it all over. I looked very carefully. I could not find the author's name, which was probably a smart idea because it's not a very accurate article. It's very inaccurate in some of the things it says. And unfortunately, it's like the game of politics. You know how one side banters the other who banters the first side and back and forth. They bash each other and so on. And they say crazy things as well. Well, some of the things mentioned in this internet article are a little bit crazy. The very first sentence in this internet article says, and I quote, I got it written down here. To many, it is both amazing and shocking to discover that neither the word rapture nor the doctrine slash teaching of a secret rapture is to be found in any Bible translation. Moreover, it is not even mentioned in any Christian literature prior to the year 1830. End of quote. Now that's an amazing statement to make. It's also very dumb because it's not accurate whatsoever. And uh, they're saying the rapture isn't even found in any Christian writing prior to the year 1830. Now, is that really true? No. The answer, the short answer is no. Here's the long answer. A famous theologian named John Gill, he, he lived from 1697 to 1771. Now, this is quite some time before uh, 1830. He published a commentary on 1 Thessalonians. And right here in chapter 4, the very passage we read. And he used the word rapture. In his commentary, and he called for watchfulness because he says it will be sudden and unknown beforehand. And when least thought of and expected, that was about 85 years before 1830. And so this article is right away. It's off. Philip Doddridge lived from 1702 to 1751. He was an English minister, a congregationalist, similar to Baptist. He was an educator and a prolific hymn writer. Wow, did this guy write a lot of hymns. Doddridge also used the word rapture with the idea that believers would be caught up prior to judgment on earth and Jesus' second coming. Folks, this is the use of the word rapture in Christian literature prior to 1830. Matthew Henry, who lived from 1662 to 1714, was a famous Christian author. And he wrote concerning 1 Thessalonians 4.17. At or immediately before this rapture into the clouds, those who are alive will undergo a mighty change. A man with a rather interesting name. His first name was Increase. Increase. Now that's an interesting. I would never name my son Increase. But somebody did. And this guy got the name. Increase Mather. M-A-T-H-E-R. That was his first and last name. He lived from 1639 to 1723. He was a pastor and a scholar. And he was the first president of Harvard uh, College. He believed in the rapture. Now, if you even go to Wikipedia, it states that Mather held to the idea that believers would be caught up into the air, followed by the judgments on earth and then the millennial kingdom. Author Paul Boyer wrote in his book, When Time Shall Be No More. And he said that Mather proved 
that the saints would be caught up into the air beforehand, thereby escaping the final conflagration. Joseph Mead, who lived from 1586 to 1639, he was a Christian theologian. And in 1627, he wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation called Clavis Apocalyptica. Basically, it means the key of Revelation is what it means. And in his book, he wrote, uh, he described the rapture. The, now, the English word rapture was first recorded in the English language around the year 1600. That's about 11 years before our King James Bible got published. And so I'm of the opinion that had the word rapture been around a little earlier, been in use a little longer, it would have been used. That exact word would have been used in our King James Bible. But getting back to the historical belief into the rapture, we've gone back maybe 500 years approximately. And we've seen according to literature that you can look up. These Christian writers wrote about the rapture, but let's go back even further. The early Christian writer, Ephraim, the Syrian, he lived from 306 AD to 373. He was a major theologian of the early Byzantine Eastern church. Before he died, he wrote a book entitled, on the last times, the Antichrist and the end of the world by Ephraim, the Syrian. And in his book, he said these words, quote, for all the saints and elect of God are gathered prior to the tribulation that is to come and are taken to the Lord, lest they see the confusion that is to overwhelm the world because of our sins. That's 1,450 years before the year 1830. And there you have mention of the rapture Christians who wrote believing in a pre tribulational rapture. You see what, what I mean when I say that this article entitled the, the, the secret, the origin of the secret rapture theory, these guys often don't get their facts straight either that, or they just, they ignore them. They don't want you to know about them. Um, we can go back even further. Victorinus of Petau, who died in 304 AD. We don't know when he was born. He wrote a commentary on the book of Revelation in 260 AD. 260 AD. And in one place, he made an interesting statement that reflects his idea that the church would be removed prior to the tribulation. And that's what the rapture is all about. And one more. This is as far back as I've been able to find in a little book called the shepherd of Hermas, the shepherd of Hermas. You can read it on the internet. If you're interested, it was written somewhere between 96 AD and 150 AD. Now that's getting way back there, isn't it? And this document provides a statement that resembles a teaching of pre tribulational rapture doctrine. Now here's the bottom line. The truth is Christians have believed in the rapture of the church since the early days of the church. It's been around folks. So please don't buy into this hogwash that the rapture was an invention by some Christian heretics back around 1830. Don't buy into that because that is absolutely not true. Now, 
Next question. Why isn't the word rapture in the Bible? Well, I've given you already one reason that the word was in its early usage, but the word rapture means a sudden seizing and carrying away, catching away. And again, if you think of the word capture, you'll get a good idea of the word rapture. Theologically, it refers to a time when Jesus will come in the air and we rise to meet him. He will change our bodies to be like him. The saints who have gone on before will be resurrected. They'll be reunited with resurrection bodies and we'll be caught up together with them. That's what first Thessalonians four is all teaching about. Now, some people claim that because the word rapture is not in our King James Bible, that it must be false. The word's not in there. Therefore, eh, it must be false. And yet the word really is found in the Bible. And I'm going to show it to you. Now you have your Bible open at first Thessalonians chapter four, and we'll look at verse 17. Please read that verse out loud with me. Okay. All together. Then we, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now the Greek word here for the catching away is a Greek word, arpazo, arpazo. And it means to rush in, to grab hold of, or to seize and rush out with. That's the idea of the word arpazo. Now, when the Bible was translated into Latin, they looked for a word that was an exact equivalent of arpazo. And they found the word in Latin. It's rapio. Rapio. And rapio means to rush in and seize and rush out. And that's exactly what rapture means. This seizing and this catching away. Rapio and arpazo are the equivalent. Equivalent. And our English word rapture comes directly from the Latin word rapio. And so, yes, rapture is in the Bible. It really is in the Bible. Our padzo means rapture. That's what it means. Now, another question. When is this rapture supposed to happen? That's a good question. When is it supposed to happen? Well, folks, it's in relation to the tribulation. Some Christians have different ideas as to when the rapture will happen. Some Christians who believe in the rapture don't believe that it'll happen until halfway through the tribulation. They base that largely upon chapter 11 with the two witnesses. And at about the halfway point of the tribulation, those two witnesses are killed Their bodies are left in the streets for two days, three days. And then on the third day, they're brought back to life and off to heaven. They go. That's in chapter 11 of revelation. And remember, you can remember that because the two witnesses, there's your 11, one and one (laughs) makes 11. Doesn't it? One and one makes 11. Your two witnesses. 
So that's how you can remember a little memory trick there for you. But that's one of the, the verses, one of the passages that those who believe in a mid trib, sometimes they call it a pre wrath. It's basically essentially the same thing. The bottom line is the same thing. It's right in the halfway. And then there are those who believe in a post tribulational position. So all the Christians, the churches are going to go through the seven years of the tribulation. And right at the very end, that's when off to heaven, they'll go to meet Jesus and right back down to earth again and into the millennial kingdom. That's a post tribulational belief. We believe in a pre tribulational rapture, meaning that the rapture will happen prior to the tribulation. The Lord will come and take us out after which the tribulation, the seven years tribulation will happen. Now, would you turn please to the book of revelation and go to chapter four. In revelation uh, chapters one, two, and three, you have mention of the church numerous times. And then you get to chapter four. And we believe the rapture is pictured here because chapter four, John begins saying after this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, and on he goes. And from that point, right to the end of the book of revelation, The church is not mentioned again. It's not mentioned again, but right at the end of the book of revelation, you have the bride the church. You have that mentioned again, but all during the tribulation explanations in those chapters, you don't have any mention of the church whatsoever. And so we believe that that's a powerful uh, indication. Now, if you go back to Thessalonians, please, there were Christians at Thessalonica who died and it shook some of the other believers because somehow they thought they had missed the coming of the Lord, or perhaps those that had died will miss out on it. And so in chapter two of first Thessalonians and verse number uh, no, Sorry, I wrote down the wrong reference there. Let me just take another look at that. How could I have written down the wrong reference on that? (laughs) Well, it happens, doesn't it? All right. Well, in verse 13 of chapter four, Paul indicates here, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them, which are asleep. Those are the Christians who died that ye sorrow, not even as others, which have no hope. They have no hope in eternal life. That's why death threatens them. They're afraid of death. Big unknown. Uh, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And, If you'd look also to the right, 
to Titus. You'll find it after Timothy, first and second Timothy. You have Titus chapter two and verse number 13. Ah, I found the reference I was looking for earlier. <laughs> Doesn't that bug you when you, you know, forget a reference? Eh, then you just got to find it. Well, I found it. We'll look at that after we've done Titus here. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. Now, what is this blessed hope? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope is the rapture. That's when he's going to take us out of this world because you see, we've not been appointed under wrath. Now, what I failed to do was write down second Thessalonians. That was what I wanted. Second Thessalonians chapter two, second Thessalonians chapter two. Now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him. There's your rapture. And um, it's mentioned again in chapter three, verse five, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. So that's a good cross reference there. Verse two, chapter two, verse two, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And so here we, we learn the son of perdition as the antichrist will be revealed after the coming of the Lord. However, we don't know when the tribulation is going to take place. If we knew when the tribulation was going to start, then we would know when the, when the rapture is going to happen. But we don't know when the tribulation is going to take place. Therefore, we don't know when the rapture will take place. Well, someone says, why? Why is Jesus going to do a rapture? What do we need that for? Why is he going to do it? The rapture shows us the grace and mercy of God to remove his people from the earth before he pours out his wrath upon the earth. The tribulation is a time of God's wrath. The tribulation is not a time of the devil's wrath. Some people think that that's a mistake. The tribulation is a time of God's wrath upon the earth. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures. Let's go back quickly and look at Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. You see here in verse nine, read this out loud together with me, please. Romans five, nine, read it out loud. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The wrath is not hell. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about the lake of fire and hell. It's talking about the great day of wrath that's coming. And if you turn to revelation now, chapter six, you'll see it. Revelation chapter six and verse number 17. Now here are, here are men on earth crying out, you know, to the rocks in verse 16, the mountains, the rocks hide us from the face 
of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the lamb. Verse 17, read it out loud with me, please. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand. Now look over at chapter 16 of Revelation. Revelation chapter 16. And verse number 19. 16 and 19. And the great city was the great city, by the way, was is Jerusalem was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon. And we don't know quite where that is. Great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. There's the wrath of God. Now I failed to mention something that uh, there's a a division of thought. The great city here uh, could be a reference to Jerusalem or it could be also a reference to Babylon. So I, in order to be correct, I do need to make mention of that. But you can see here, the tribulation is a time of God's wrath and Christians have been saved from wrath. And we have to understand that God isn't going to put the, the church through the tribulation to purify the church. Some Christians think that they think that the church needs purifying. So God has to put it through the, the, the tribulation to purify it. No, no, listen, the church was purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Christ's blood that purified us. We can't, we can't get better than that. We can't add to that. Now it's true that a lot of churches are messed up. All you got to do is read chapter two and three of revelation, read the seven letters to the seven churches and you'll see it for yourself. Some churches were close to the Lord. Some were far from the Lord and some were somewhere in between but they were all still his churches. And basically he told each one of them, almost each one of them. He said, shape up, you know, or I'm going to close you down. God is not going to use the tribulation to purify the church. That's not the whole, that's not the idea of the tribulation. The tribulation in the old Testament is known as a time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time for God to save Israel because right now we got an Israeli nation and they're not saved. There are, what is it? 12 million Jews in the world, something like that. Very few are saved, but the tribulation is going to bring most of them. I think some of them will never get saved, but the tribulation is going to bring most of them to salvation. They're going to recognize Jesus as their Messiah. They're going to be saved. They will look upon him whom they have pierced and they will wail. The purpose of the tribulation is to save Israel, but it's also God pouring out his wrath on a wicked world, giving them one last chance for repentance. Sadly, many will never come to repentance. They'll gnaw their tongue for the pain and they'll blaspheme God and shake their fist at him before they ever come to repentance. Sad, isn't it? But, Many will come to repentance, but the purpose of the tribulation is not to, uh, to purify the church. I'll tell you what will purify the church. Turn back a few pages. Would you please to the book of first John, first John chapter three. Here we go. I'll show you what will purify the church. First John chapter three, um, verse two, beloved, 
Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, everyone read verse three out loud, including you folks at home. Read it out loud. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Remember the blessed hope? The coming of the Lord Jesus could come any moment, any day. It could, it could come right tonight. It could happen tonight. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. It means I can't live in sin. I can't mess around with sin. I can't be involved with sinful things because Jesus could come back in the next five minutes. He could come back tonight while I'm asleep. There's no time to repent. I need to live my life right. I need to live my life in the light of his coming. He's coming. And if I'm living my life in the light of his coming, it'll purify me. That's what's going to purify the church. Not a tribulation. All right, quickly, we need to move on. Who is this rapture for? Well, let's go back to first Thessalonians and get our answer. Shall we? First Thessalonians chapter number four. First Thessalonians chapter number four. And we read this passage starting in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant. What's the next word? Say it out loud, please. Brethren. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church, the saved. I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, for this, we say unto you, verse 15, He's talking to the, the, the Christians at Thessalonica and vicariously to all of us Christians, even here today, you see that. And so we're told the answer is the church, the believers, Christians. There's a lot of people in the world today. They go to church. They're not Christian. They're not born again. They're not saved. They go to church on Sunday morning, or they'll go to church on Sunday night or some with some churches. They have church services every day. They'll go every day. They're not saved. They are not born again. And should Jesus return, they will not be included in the rapture because they're not part of the body. They're not his bride and he will leave them be the only ones who will be raptured are born again. Christians. And our last question, why didn't Jesus tell us? Why didn't Jesus in the gospels talk about the rapture? Now that's a good question. Nothing wrong with that question. Why didn't Jesus himself tell us, huh? These uh, secret rapture theorists, they get off on that one. Well, Jesus never talked about the rapture. He never preached about it. There was a few things he never preached about. And the rapture was one of them. And the answer is because it's called a mystery in the Bible. And I'll show you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now the word mystery, you have to understand, we're not talking spooky. We're not talking magicians and sorcery. The word mystery 
simply means something that's concealed. You can't see it. You don't know it's there. It's a mystery. Let's see. What have I got? Well, it's a mystery to me what I'm holding. I'm holding something in my hand. But you can't see it. Actually, I can't even see it. I can feel it. I think I know what it is. But it's a mystery, isn't it? Because it's concealed. But if I were to reveal it, you see, I've revealed the mystery. And I will do that. And it's a gooseneck with a clip on each end. Oh, it's something is spooky, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's a goosenecky thing. And we use it, we put a cell phone in there. And that's what it is. But you see, you couldn't see it. And it was a mystery. And that's what the word mystery means. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please look at verse 51. Paul writes, behold, I show you a mystery. So this was a truth that had been concealed right up to this point. And this book of first Corinthians was written somewhere around 55 AD, something like that. And so the Lord Jesus died approximately uh, 30 AD. So for 25 years, no one had ever known this. And so Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, I'm going to show you something you never knew before. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That is exactly what first Thessalonians chapter four, verses 13 to 18 talk about. Now I'll give you another example of this mystery. If you're still a little fuzzy on this, if you turn to the right to the book of Colossians. So after second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter one, and I'll give you another Jim Dandy mystery here. Chapter one of Colossians. The mystery in this case is called the church. Because the church was absolutely unknown in the Old Testament. None of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets, none of them, none of the prophets, none of them ever saw the church coming. They never saw it coming. You know, no one saw COVID coming, right? None of us here, none of us here back at Christmas or a year ago, you know, stood up and said, well, we better start buying the extra rolls of toilet paper because there's coming, you know, a big lockdown, you know, in 2020. And it's going to be called COVID-19. COVID what? COVID-19. I'm telling you, I'm revealing it. No one ever did that. None of the phony charismatic prophets who claim to be able to foresee what's going to be happening. None of them ever saw COVID-19. None of the double phony crystal ball readers and stargazers, astrologists and palm readers, you know, none of those phonies ever saw COVID-19. We had a few phonies try to look back and say, ah, I predicted it. And they never did. They tried to rewrite history and say they did. They never did. No one ever saw COVID-19 coming in the old Testament. No one ever saw the church coming even in Jesus ministry, right up to about halfway of his, his earthly ministry. When the, the Jews finally rejected him in uh, Matthew chapter 12, they finally rejected him. 
They attributed his power to Satan and they rejected him. And from that time forward, Jesus began to talk about now his crucifixion. He never talked about that before. That had been a mystery. Well, at least to the disciples, it had been prophesied back in Isaiah, but the church, Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. Excuse me, Lord, you're what? What did you say? I thought you said the word church. That's what I said. I will build my church, says Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. He never preached that one before. It had been a mystery. And then he started preparing the disciples over the next year, year and a half for when he was crucified and went back to heaven, rose again and went back to heaven. And they carried on the work of the church. So we have the church today, but the church was a mystery. See in Colossians chapter one, look at verse 26. Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a reference here to his church, his body. See again in, in verse 24 and verse 25. So the mystery of the church is an example of a mystery. And why didn't Jesus ever preach on the rapture? Because it wasn't the will of the father for him to do that. It was to remain a mystery until the apostle Paul revealed that to the churches. And so that's why we, we don't have any gospel with the Lord Jesus preaching about the rapture. Matthew 24 and 25. They talk about tribulation. They do not talk about church age prior to the tribulation. They talk about tribulation. So that's important to keep that straight. There are other things that could be explored on the rapture, but I think that's enough for tonight. And you've been very patient. Now, my big question is, are you ready for the rapture? Are you walking with the savior? Are you doing everything you're supposed to do? Everything you know that is the will of God and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart. Are you doing everything you know to be right? Are you ready for the rapture? Let's pray together. Our heavenly father, we know that this rapture has not happened yet, but it will happen. And some of us are expecting it will happen any day, even, even soon, sooner. We're expecting this in our lifetime. Help us to have this hope within us and thereby purify ourselves. Even as our savior, our Lord Jesus is pure and help us to comfort one another with all of the tragedies happening in the world. Help us to comfort one another with the words. Jesus is coming. It's all right because Jesus is coming. Help us to live in light of eternity and to live our lives for you. And Lord, help us to love a lost world and try to reach them with the gospel. Bless us, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.